I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The Bucs beat the Green Bay Packers 38 to 10. What a defensive effort by this ball club. Of course, uh, they harassed Aaron Rodgers into throwing two interceptions. They sacked him four times and hit him on 11 other occasions. We'll break down the Bucs. And the Green Bay Packers uh, here in just a second. And also, of course, the Tampa Bay Rays headed to the World Series for the second time in franchise history as they knock off the Houston Astros four games to three. We'll certainly discuss all of that and more with my buddy cop, my good friend, Eduardo Encina, on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. Hey, folks, uh, in addition to Old Northeast Jewelers, you know they're on 4th Street in St. Petersburg, been there for years. Well, now... They have a brand new store in Hyde Park. It's the grand opening, of course, this past month. Now, the address is 1607 West Swan Avenue, Hyde Park Village in Tampa. It's beautiful down there. Go check out the Grand Seiko. It's described as the pure essentials of watchmaking, elevated to the level of art. This is not your grandfather's Seiko. It's Grand Seiko. It's the ultimate in timekeeping, the ultimate in style, and the ultimate in collectability. Just tell them that Rick Stroud sent you. And you will get one year extra on the warranty on your purchase. That's Old Northeast Jewelers on 4th Street as well as in Hyde Park. All right, Eduardo, um, we've just witnessed what feels like a turning point for this football team. I mean, they take down the number one offense in the NFC and the Green Bay Packers, and they do it convincingly. But first, after falling behind 10 to nothing in the first quarter, Green Bay had 20 plays to three. And then all of a sudden, Jamel Dean uh, jumps a route you know, to Devontae Adams on the sideline, takes it back for a pick six. Next thing you know, the next series is another deflected ball that's intercepted uh, and sets them up at the two-yard line. Ronald Jones, Jones runs well, and all of a sudden, they reel off 38 unanswered points. I'm, never, I'm not really sure. I've been watching, of course, the Bucks play for a while. I've not seen a game turn that quickly, um, but the, the billing was Brady versus Rodgers. It turned out to be... Rodgers getting decimated by the Bucks defense. Yeah, and, and you know, like you said, this was a game that turned really quickly, and for a while it was pretty lopsided in the favor of, of, of the Packers for a good part of the first quarter and uh, really first half. And then, like you said, uh, it changed really quickly. You know, this is a week-to-week. It's a drive-to-drive league sometimes mm-hmm. when it comes down to it. And so we saw, uh, you know, a couple big turnovers by the Bucks defense, and that's something that they've been doing recently is is giving the Bucks. Uh, you know, some some turnovers and some good field position. And just like that, you know, a 10 nothing deficit turned into a 14-10 lead. And from then, you know, the, the Bucks defense just kind of put on the pressure. And like you said, they hit Aaron Rodgers a lot. They made him uncomfortable and, uh, you know, had him on his back a lot. And, and from there on out, they really kind of dominated every aspect of this game. And it was a game that, you know, in a lot of ways, it was one they really needed. It was a, sig- it's a signature win for them, one that not only, you know, this a lot of the players on this team need because – you know they have an experience winning at the NFL level, um, but also the Tom Brady needed. You know, in terms of uh, the, the him showing that you know they can win these kind of games against these kind of teams. You know, a couple of players that we talked to after the game, he said, "Listen, this is a big win for us because 
we know we're probably going to see the Packers down the road if we're going in the postseason. So uh, to get a leg up on that and, and, and you know benefit from the confidence that comes with that, uh, this is a big week. And like you said, you know, four and two is a lot different than three and three. But um, I, th- I think this one's a little bit more important just because of what what kind of momentum and what kind of confidence it gives this team moving forward. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, four and two headed to, um, you know, the Raiders in Las Vegas on Sunday night for the next uh, three games are primetime. Then they go to the New York Giants for a Monday night game and then home against the New Orleans Saints. The Saints were idle. Uh, they had their bye week. And so technically the Bucks now in first place by a half a game in the NFC South. And you're right. They may see the Packers again. I don't know who's going to win uh, the NFC South. The Bucks were to win it and somehow the Packers – uh, came up in the playoffs. This game might might be what makes a difference in home field advantage, the head-to-head. So, um, of course, they don't have that with Chicago. But bouncing back from Chicago, a game that they felt like they gave away, 20-19 up there on a Thursday night. And the worst part of it was the penalties, right? They had like 11 for 106 yards, um, six on one drive, I think. And they really killed themselves, had a chance to win that game many times over. Brady forgetting what down it was. I mean, they kind of went through an embarrassing uh, 10 days or so. Um, but to come out here and they played Eduardo, one of the cleanest games I, I think they've ever played in Bucks history. No penalties. There was a roughing the passer by Ndamukong Sue that was um, offset by an intentional grounding by Aaron Rodgers. Um, but no penalties. Uh, they allowed no sacks, and they did not turn the ball over. They're going to be a hard team to beat if they can cut down the penalties. I thought it was impressive that the players said, basically Bruce Bruce Arians told them, look, if you're going to commit penalties, you can't play on this football team. Right. And we, we know that. We know that, you know, there, there's two guys who are very important in this organization, Tom Brady and, and, and Bruce Arians, who you know, just, you know, don't really put up with it. You know, you know, you, you play good fundamental football, and that's um, that, that's the kind of the uh, the foundation of, of really good football. So, um you know, it, it's interesting because, you know, we, we've heard this team talk so much over the years about beating themselves, you know, beating themselves, beating themselves, beating themselves. You know, Mike Evans talked about it, you know, earlier this week. It's just a, it's so tiring to talk about it over and over again and to do it over and over again. So to see them rebound from that Chicago game where it was a pretty low point for them and the fact that, you know, it's just like anything else, when, when you have a bad game, a lot of guys want to get back out there. You know, they had a long week to think about it yeah. and to fix it, and that's what they did. They fixed it. Um, I think it was Devin White. He said, "You know, we really had to look in the mirror. You know, we had to be okay. Who's I have to look? Each person has to look in the mirror and say, okay, 'Okay, I'm going to be the guy who's not going to commit penalties. I'm going to be the guy who's not going to. You know, I don't want to be the guy who's going to put us back. You know, to in a first and you know first and fifteen, first and twenty, something like that. So, um, yeah, I think you know, there's a lot of guys on this defense, especially on this defense." Um, we, we, a lot of the penalties that, that, that were being committed were from veteran guys. Yeah. But I think you know a lot of the guys on this defense, all these younger guys, they've really kind of taken it upon themselves to be like, hey, listen, we're, we're not going to be those guys. We don't want to be an undisciplined football team. And we know that if we are an undisciplined football team, we're not going to go very far, no matter you know, who wants to make us paper champions. So um, you know, I think that, that in itself is a big step forward for this club because you know, they need to show themselves that they could do it. If they had lost this game, I think people would have still looked at them as a playoff contender, right? Because there's a couple extra wild cards, and, and three and three does not knock you out of anything. By beating the Green Bay Packers the way they did it, um, so resoundingly and completely after the 10 nothing deficit, they're now a, a, a NFC championship contender. They're a team that could, that could go to the Super Bowl or could find themselves against a team like this um, down the road late, late into the playoffs. So that sort of changes – 
um, you know, the 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 focus of, of, of where they're at right now. Only 200. Look at these numbers. I can't believe it. The Packers had just 201 yards of total offense. And after the game, you know, Aaron Rodgers said that they didn't have a good week of practice. It was windy and cold up there in Green Bay. Here's how rare it was what they did. Aaron Rodgers has only his third pick six of his career. That's incredible to me. 6,200 attempts. And the guy only had three pick sixes in his career. That was the third one. Um, and, you know, uh, this defense now, I think they have, uh, what is it, uh, 11 interceptions on the season? Is that right? Or is it eight interceptions, which is tied for second? Um, yeah, I think the Colts have the most. And suddenly they're piling up stats. The other thing that stood out to me today was, you know, they, they weren't playing. Um, they obviously don't have Ida Vea. Nunez Roches, Raheem Nunez Roches stepped in there. They still shut down the run, contained it fairly well. Um, but they got after the quarterback and the two linebackers, Devin White and Levante David, for those around the country who haven't seen these guys, they're going to be seeing them the next three or four weeks in a row here. They put on a show. Yeah, you know, the, the Packers like to establish the run, right? They, they and, and they've got two really good backs who not only run the ball well but can catch the ball, you know, you know on, on the outside. So they wanted to kind of stretch the field um, and, and maybe try to, you know, make, you know, Levante David and, and, and Devin White run a little bit. But it seemed that when they tried to do that, you know, it just brought out the best in, in those two guys. And they were breaking through gaps and they were making, you know, tackles for no gain or tackles for losses and, um, I think that really set the tone early um, after that first drive that, that the uh, you know that the that the Packers went down the field and scored. But um, it's it's one of those situations where again uh, this defense, like you mentioned, this defense is starting to put up numbers that compare it to any, a lot of the the best defenses in the league. And it's interesting to see that to say that because we know that this defense had grown into a good one, right? But they're before our eyes are kind of becoming a great one, you know, and. The big thing is the turnovers. You know, they're getting interceptions. You know, they're getting to the quarterback. The quarterback sacks against a a Packers team that offensively did not make many mistakes going into this game. You know, Aaron Rodgers had not thrown an interception. You know, they, he, he, had, he had been sacked very few times. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it, it kind of is – we're talking about how much the Bucks kind of gained momentum. It kind of can go the reverse way too. It's like all of a sudden, you know, Aaron Rodgers throws a couple of picks he hadn't thrown thrown in any all year, and guys start looking around. They're <laughs> like, hey, how's this going wrong for us? So, um, again, it goes back to those two interceptions that was so huge. But this defense as a whole, the sacks, getting to the quarterback, the interceptions, the run defense is still as stout, even without Vita Vey, amazingly. And, um, you know, the, the passing game, too, is they, they held the, uh, like you said, to, to hold the, uh, you know, the Green Bay Packers to, what, 201 total, total net yards. That's, that's amazing. This was, the, this was the number one top offenses in football. Uh, you know, they were averaging 440-some yards a game. So you, you basically allowed more than ha- less than half of that. So just an amazing performance on this defense. And it's really, uh, they're really coming to their own. Rodgers had just 160 yards passing. Um, we mentioned the two interceptions, no touchdowns. A couple of things that stood out on offense. Ronald Jones continues to give them an identity. One of the reasons why, you know, in Brady, Brady had pedestrian numbers himself. I mean, he was 17 to 27 for 166 with no touch, no interceptions. So he had the two touchdowns. So the rating is good, but he didn't have to do much. Um, and that's because this team now is so slowly finding an identity of running Ronald Jones, um, using play action. And I thought tonight, 
instead of, you know, they've been missing some running backs. I know that Shady McCoy came back and they threw him, I think, a, a pass or two. But they started to use Rob Gronkowski as that guy to set up things outside of the outside receivers. We saw a tight end screen. We saw him one time down the seam. Um, he wound up really with one of his better days. He led them in receiving with five catches for 78 yards um, and had a 31-yarder as well as a touchdown, his first um, but was unable to spike it with his right hand because he's got a bad shoulder. So what do you make of, of you know, it's taken six weeks, but what do you see the identity of this football team? And I will say this, if the Bucks get a lead, whether it's Leonard Fournette who's still hurt or Ronald Jones that we've seen in these last couple of weeks, you're going to have a tough time getting the ball back because they can absolutely milk the clock for you. Right, and the past few, the past, past, yeah, the past few times you've seen Brady, you know, he, he's really been – good at spreading the ball out you know and I think you know he's kind of feels his way around the receivers and he finds his guys and today it was Gronkowski and Godwin you know I really think this offense missed Chris Godwin you miss those tough yards and he's so solid in his route running that you know he just makes it easy for you as a quarterback and again we've been waiting you know almost for weeks to be like when are Brady and Gronk going to get their groove back you know it's like when Stella got her groove back you know we're <laughs> we're waiting like we knew it was going to happen when's it going to happen so today you saw that you know that um you know that touchdown drive was like a little fade route you know the corner of the end zone Gronk does some really n- nice footwork to to stay in bounds and kind of t- spin a little bit around to you know catch the ball that's over his back shoulder and then um you know like you said he had a 31 yard game so he showed that he can stretch the field vertically which is something that we we had not seen yet so w- when you see that stat line you know five catches 78 yards a touchdown eight targets you know all those lines all those numbers are really important because it means that Rob Gronkowski is becoming a important part of this offense for at least for one week and, and but moving forward you needed for him for us to think that he was going to be a factor we needed to see this first right and then going to your initial point is you know like we've got we've got kind of a fantasy football tip to everyone here is that Ronald Jones is now an RB1 yeah, he is. you know so you know today he became an RB1 cuz 113 yards two touchdowns if you started Ronald Jones in fantasy football you're pretty happy but you know we 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 talked so much about hey how do you split these carries amongst these running backs how you know is Ronald Jones going to be the guy and and over and over again Bruce Arians has said he's going to be the guy but you know he is the guy now three straight uh you know, three straight 100-yard games. Again, two touchdowns today. He's going to get in that end zone. Um, you know, I think he's averaging about 5.5 yards a carry over the last three games, which, man, Rick, when, you know, we, when we were talking about Ronald Jones even last year and obviously the year before that in his rookie year, when we, were, we, were, we weren't talking about this kind of guy, and, and now he's, he's really putting up these numbers. And, uh, you know, he is, uh, you know, if he can get a couple more catches out of the backfield, you know, he's going to become a complete back. But the, the strong running, the vision, the patience that he has at the line, obviously he's getting some good run blocking. Um, but, you know, he's you know, he's a guy who's going to have those two-yard carries, but he's going to break some big ones. He's going to move the chains, and he's going to come up with these kind of stat lines that if even if you're just a fantasy football owner, you're going to like. Yeah, I, I'll be the first to tell you, I, I was not a believer in Ronald Jones. He had to prove it to me, and he has three straight 100-yard games. That's only the fourth time in this club's history, I think, that that has occurred. The last time it was Doug Martin, I think, as a rookie, um, did that. So that's how far back um, they go. So, yeah, he is definitely RB1. They still will get Leonard Fournette healthy at some point. 
McCoy can still be a, a factor in the running game as well. Um, but there's no question that this is Ronald Jones. This is his, it's his position um, for sure. And another thing, Rick, Bruce Arians told us, and whether we believed him or not this week, I have trust in Ronald Jones to give him 20 to 25 carries a game. Today, 23 carries is a career high. So, you know, th- th- that goes to show. It's funny, on Twitter, when, when I, anything that we tweet about the running backs or the running game, all the fantasy football players are like, ah, you know, Bruce is just throwing – it's all smoke and marriage, blah, 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 blah. 23 carries, 113 yards, two touchdowns. You know what's funny about Bruce Arians? Like, people always think that he's, like, not being – they look for, they look for like, all BS, you know, like, ah, he – he doesn't mean it. What I have found is that Bruce Arians tells you exactly what he means. Like you need to believe him every time he says something, you know, good or bad. Um, that's that's just that's just who he is. He, he doesn't uh, he doesn't mince words. Um, so uh, you know, it was it was obviously a huge win for them, thirty eight to ten. I'm wondering if the rest of the league now, because you know, Monday morning there's there are all these shows and and some of which I participate in, but. Um, it's overreaction Monday. So what will be the overreaction um, today when uh, you're listening to all these shows about Tom Brady and the Bucks, about um, the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers? Um, how how much have they put on notice the rest of the league? And and is is has Tom Brady found a defense the way Peyton Manning did in Denver to help carry him? to a Super Bowl as opposed to maybe Brady having to do the heavy lifting. Yeah, I mean, look at this. Look look at the, what he's got right now. He's got a defense that's that's getting takeaways, right? And putting him in really good field position, which is something even earlier in the year in that New Orleans game, you know, they they, they didn't have at all. Right. You know, and and add running game, you know, and and add the fact that, you know, the Bucks had really good pass protection today, okay. you know, and, and 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 he's he's got all all the tools, you know, Tom only threw for 166 yards today. He didn't need to throw for for anything more than that, you know, because they were able to score. This is the big thing, too, that was different than last week, Rick, is the red zone. You know, every time that they've they've been within the 10-yard line, they they pretty much punched it in, and they did that today. So, um, you know, they had a couple, you know, setbacks last week in the red zone. But, you know, that's Brady, right? I mean, he's going to be efficient in the red zone. And, um, and again, when you get that running game, it opens up everything else. It opens up, you know, the play action. It opens up, you know, the long ball. So, you know, it's funny because the passing game really wasn't that dynamic by any means. You know, Mike Evans had one catch for 10 yards. You know, Godwin had a good day. Um, but other than that, you know, he spread the ball out to a bunch of guys. But, you know, he, he might have only gone to, you know, those guys one or two times. But, um it goes to show that he doesn't need to carry this team per se. You know that, that he's when he's got some help, and he, and he just that you just let Tom Brady be Tom Brady. That um you know that this team can can go a long way. I mean, and having said that too, it's like I do think the Green, the Green Bay Packers aren't as bad as they were on the field today. You know, and and, and they, they probably will see them down the stretch. I think that's a, a good football team. They were coming off a bye, like you said. You know, you, you never know a team coming off of the bye and the practice week, all the long rest stuff like that. Um, but. Uh, yeah, I think, you know, looking forward, you know, this is a team that, again, we always talk about the week-by-week week kind of mentality, but, you know, they do lose this game. They're going in 3-3 three and three into Vegas, all these night games, travel, uh, you know, a couple in a couple of weeks, another a rematch with the Saints on primetime. You know, then, you know, they got the Rams, who's another playoff contender right now. Uh, the Panthers, another game with the Panthers, who, uh, you know, they're still kind of in the thick of the mix in the division. So um, now you're looking really good, you know, 4-2. and two, You've played probably, you know, you've got that quote-unquote signature win under your belt against Green Bay. 
and now you can just kind of you know let everything kind of you know flourish from here and and continue to grow and continue to kind of uh, see where this thing takes you hey it's ryan reynolds and i'm here with keith co-star of my upcoming film if only in theaters may 17th Do you want to tell people the big news All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Well, uh, we'll certainly be uh, talking about the Bucks all week long and, and to Bruce Arians later today. Uh, something else happened over the weekend, and my my girls were very excited about it, and, and I sat there and, and watched them agonize over this. But the Tampa Bay Rays are headed back to the World Series, and after being up 3-0 and then losing that lead, I thought for all the world that momentum was gone. But as they say in baseball, momentum is, is the next day's starter, and that happened to be Charlie freaking Morton. And I don't think in the history of baseball, in fact, I'm sure there's not a better Game 7 starter than Charlie Morton. How big was that? And Randy Arazarina, I what are we watching with this guy who has already tied the record for rookies for home runs in the playoffs, is two hits away from Derek Jeter's record for hits? I've never seen anything like this in baseball, and he was the reason that they got off to a 2-0 start in that Game 7. Yeah, you're right. I mean, that home run was big. Uh, but like you mentioned, CFM is – I don't know why why we ever doubted that. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you know, blow a 3-0 lead, sure. But you have, when you have CFM on the mound, like you, you've got – you know, what, what he's able to do, and, and any of us who've covered him, we, we've covered him, you've, you've talked to him a few times, Rick, and it's like – you know the kind of like chill mentality that this guy's got that no moment is really too big for him. He just treats he treats a game seven like it's you know a Wednesday start in Baltimore to be honest. So yeah. and 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 the way that that he does that is just he's just that's what makes him such a big game pitcher. So um, in retrospect, all of every Rays fan was worried, right? But then when you saw this guy throw what five and two thirds shutty, and 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 you know basically you know we were thinking it's like you know you. If they get a lead, you know Charlie's gonna gonna hold that, and yeah. uh, you know that's what they did. They got a three zero lead with, with the Rosarena home run, Mike Zanino, who's who's come up pretty big with some big shots um, in the postseason, and uh, you know they were able to protect that lead, and um, you know it, it, it's amazing because this team for a sixty game season, you know, when I've covered them, it's been they've they've gone through a lot of ups and downs even through a 60-game season, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and there's already a lot of ups and downs right now in any professional sports league with COVID and, and everything you've got to go through. But, you know, to think about this team and, and kind of the struggles they had early on and then the strong stretch that they had, all the injuries to the pitching, guys who've had, you know, horrible, you know, career-altering injuries on this staff. And um, and, and just all the, the, the stuff of, of, of going to the bubble with San Diego and – and, and and to think that they're in the World Series now is pretty amazing. Even though they did have the best record in the American League, they are. Um, it is a great, great story when you think about everything that's going on. And obviously, right now, there's no better story than than a Rosarena and his cowboy boots. Who I, I really, I, I'd love to go to Texas because I need to pick up some cowboy boots. So, 
you know, maybe I'll make a trip down there and go get go, you. Would you wear cowboy boots? I'm not a cowboy boot guy. I've been to Texas many times and I've driven by those stores and I'm not, I'm not stopping in to get fitted. I know that a lot of people love them and good, good for you, but I have no place to wear them. And frankly, they would hurt my feet. I'll say that, you know, Rosarina and uh, and Mark Tompkin wrote about this, and, and I know you guys have documented it in the past, but, like, the, the story he has is dad dying who worked a bunch of jobs and then taking what amounted to a john boat, if you will, or a small uh, craft across the Gulf of Mexico to, you know, from Cuba to Mexico and, and then finding himself, you know, through baseball is just incredible. And the Rays did it again. They they went and they made a trade for a guy who started the year in on – you know, in with COVID um, quarantined, you know, we know the story he ate the chicken and the rice and did 500 push-ups a day and gained 15 pounds. And, and he didn't join the team until like late August, August 21st, I think to think that he can come in here and carry them has been unreal. Now they're going to need somebody to hit besides him. Right. At some point, I don't think that the Rays are going to win the world series unless the bats wake up a little more than they have. They've gotten a lot out of Zanino in the ninth spot um, but beyond that, it just hasn't been consistent enough. So, do you think that the defense and pitching will carry them to a, to a, to a title, or um, are they going to have to score more runs uh, against the Dodgers or, or, or the Braves? Yeah. So, I mean, you've the postseason always comes down to two things. Obviously, it's, it's pitching and 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 being able to scrape runs across. You know what I mean? So, you know, they're going to have to get some better hitting across the board. You know, it'll be inter- You know. How's Kevin Kiermeyer? You know, I mean, he, Brandon Lau had a home run in late in, in one of those games, but he's really got – the best thing you can see is, is get – see Brandon Lau get a couple couple barrels, you know, early on in game one or game two um, because they, they really need his bat too, you know. Um, you know, Austin Meadows has had a couple big hits, but you, know, you need more from him. So, um, you know, it, it's one of those situations where, you know, they've gotten this far – with for the most part, Rick, an offense that kind of, you know, they hit a lot of home runs, but you know, for the most part, they kind of, you know, just get by, mm-hmm. you know, um, and they've done it on, on the pitching. You know, I, I think, you know, it's been remarkable the way they use the, utilize the pitching throughout the championship series. You know, they went back to the opener a little bit. They they did a lot of things, you know, with, with starters, with relievers, everything. So they're going to have to continue to be creative that way. Um, you know, especially, you know, they're, they're going to play a really good team, you know, no matter, you know, who it is, whether it's Atlanta or, uh, or the Dodgers. So, um, but the one thing that this team does that I think is stayed and true, and they didn't have this all year long during the ups and downs, is they play really good defense, you know what I mean? And, and that's worth a couple runs in a big series like this, you know what I mean? That's, that's going to be worth a few runs. And so as long as they continue to play that kind of fundamental, uh, you know, defense, and are still able to to do that, you know, they'll um I think they've they've got a really good shot at this. As we're doing this broadcast or this podcast, it's the top of the eighth. The Dodgers are leading the Braves four to three, so that's why we don't know exactly who they're gonna play. You'll know by the time you hear this. Um both of those teams are are, are good ball clubs, obviously. That's why this series has gone all the way to a game seven. Is uh, uh is there one or the other as we do this that I mean I, I think they played the Braves during the season. So, so is it is it a, an advantage or disadvantage if the Dodgers are the team they ultimately wind up playing and that they haven't seen them all year? Yeah, I mean, you can say that. This is obviously an interesting year because, you know, even in the, in the you know in the in the AL, AL series, you know, they haven't seen a lot of these teams. You know, mm-hmm. because of, of the schedule, because of COVID, you know, they only played the you know the teams in the division and obviously the, the NL East teams counterparts or whatever. So, um, you know. 
they didn't really see the Astros this year. They know the Astros, but they didn't see them this year. Um, but uh, you know, so so there there's something to that. But um, you know, I, I I've been asked that a couple times so far. It's like who, who do you think that, that that's a better matchup for them? And I don't know. I think both of these teams are, are, are really good teams. You know, the, the Braves went out and, and had a, a big big lead on on the Dodgers, and they they came up gangbusters. I think that if the Dodgers pull this out, you know. They're going to have some good momentum going on their side too, and you know they, they've had uh, you know they they're kind of on a mission too. You know, I mean they've been on this mission for a few years, so um, you know they. But at the same time, you know there's a little bit of pressure that comes with that too, of um, you know finishing the deal, and they've had a couple opportunities to finish the deal, and uh, you know they haven't. So um, you know, the Braves, I feel like they're kind of a different animal. You know, I don't I don't even know if a lot of people. Um, you know, they weren't necessarily even a consensus, you know, team to win their division. They're a really good team, but I don't know if the, anyone really expected them to be in this oh. spot. So, um, but but you know, like classic Braves teams, they've got a lot of good young pitching and uh, good defense, and uh, you know, they, they can they can make it make it hard for you. So, um, I think either one of these teams, it'll be a, it'll be a really interesting. Event, but I don't think there's one or the other that really kind of plays to the Rays' favor. Uh. Yeah, I mean, the Braves are very athletic, and, and I mean, obviously the Dodgers uh, are well-known for their superstars and, and another huge payroll, and that's the thing that, um, you know, the Rays will be trying to overcome. I would say this. They, here's the thing that would concern me about the Rays, and your boy, Snelly, was on the bumpy the other day and, and got some punchies, but he also walked some batters. He got very upset when, when Kevin Cash went out to get him, and it didn't. It made sense why he was, but it, it didn't work out for Kevin Cash. And, and yet he also took Morton out, and I think people, I know my kids were screaming, why is they taking Charlie Morton out? Yeah. yeah, and that, you know, he you know he got out of that inning, but the next inning he gave up a couple runs. So is is this pitching staff, are these starters, whether it's Glass now, Snell, or even Morton to some extent, can they consistently get deep, or are we going to see them continue to walk play, walk batters, get behind batters, and burn out and, and give you five and a third every week, every, every game? And is that going to be is that going to do it against a better ball club like the Dodgers or, or the Braves? Yeah, I mean, I, you'd love to see Blake Snell go out there and, and give you give you six more six plus. You know what I mean? Six solid plus, and really not have to. The, the big thing is the pitch count, right? It's like that's when you worry. And I don't think Blake's pitch count was that high the other day. And 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 you know, Blake in most games, Blake's going to be talking to himself coming off the mound from watching Blake pitch. Like he's just a guy who just has that look where he's just kind of never really satisfied with stuff when he's walking off the mound. But um, you know, this is um. It's interesting because I, you know, I think that's, that's a really good question because these guys have been going, you know, four and two thirds, you know, five, and you know, there's always either the first or second inning where you know they start to they have this you know twenty some pitch inning, and um, you know that will catch up to you. And but the weird thing is like I felt like that was going to catch up to them already, you know, but it really kind of hasn't, you know, and and that goes to the the maneuvering of that bullpen and everything like that. Their bullpen's been pretty much lights out though, you know, I mean for the most part. Um, and you know it, it's you know it's guys like Nick Anderson, it's guys like Diego Castillo, like guys like that who they're starting to extend a little bit more. You know when you talk about the Morton outing, you know, I, I, I going to Nick Anderson and, and asking him for I think what was, I think seven or eight outs at that point. Yeah. You know that's you know that's a lot for a guy like that. You know, um, so it, I don't know how much more you can extend this bullpen. So um, yeah, I think you do need a little bit more, no more length from these starters. And again, it's 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 the innings, but it's also just the laboring of at bats. You know what I mean? And they, they've really there's been some times when they've kind of struggled with that. Um, 
But, again, they've gotten through it somehow. They're in the World Series, and they have a chance to be world champions. That's all that matters. And uh, for the World Series, the thing that would be different than the ALCS or the previous rounds is that there are days off. And, and you're going to be able to come back with some of the starting pitchers. And so maybe you won't burn through your bullpen as much. Maybe you can go a little longer, um, you know, with some of your starters as well. So we'll see how that goes. Well, it's been quite a, uh, quite a couple weeks, I would say, for, for Tampa Bay, which is the hub right now of the sports world. The Lightning winning the Stanley Cup, the Rays in the World Series, and Tom Brady taking down Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers here what a weekend uh, for Tampa Bay sports. And, of course, we talk about it here all the time on Sports Day Tampa Bay. And, friends, remember uh, – oh, yeah, and then Steve Burstyn, my producer, reminds me that the Rowdies are in the Eastern Conference Championship as well. Yeah, but you can't forget about the Rowdies. <laughs> the Rowdies are a kick in the grass. So uh, we've, got, uh, we've got all that to talk about uh, this week. We hope you join us. We're here every Monday through Friday. Uh, go see our friends, too, at Old Northeast Jewelers on 4th Street. They've been in St. Pete forever. They now have a brand-new store in Hyde Park, check out their Grand Seiko. Um, it's the ultimate in timekeeping, the ultimate in style, and the ultimate in collectability. You go there and say that Eduardo and Cena sent you or Rick Stroud, uh, and they'll give you one extra year warranty on your purchase. That's Old Northeast Jewelers in St. Pete and Hyde Park. For Steve Burstick, I'm Rick Stroud at the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody.